experience disappointment, rushes in like a flood. When the bright promise of spring turns into the dark winter of our souls. But you hear this preacher today and you mark my words, let hope arise. Say, I am infused and I refuse to not be enthused. Henry Ford said it this way, show me Henry. There he is. Show me what he said. You can do anything if, if then, the biblical principle, God will do this, if you do that, then God will do this. Henry said, you can do anything. I hear the Bible. All things are possible to him that believeth. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask anything and it will be done for you. I've quoted 15 scriptures to you already. You're having a good time. You can do anything if you have enthusiasm. That's what Henry Ford said. Henry Ford was a little bit successful. Uh, how many of you have ever ridden in or owned a Ford? Oh, hello. Don't get offended at me. Ford's a good automobile, but I was more a Mopar guy. And, and, and we said Ford stands for fixed or repaired daily. Anyway, must be a pretty good vehicle. Oh, Henry sold 400 million Fords. That's 3.3 million a year for 120 years. Yeah. Stay enthused. I say it this way. These are not they who are called great because they never failed. Let me see all of you that have failed today. That's what I thought. We're not called great because we never fail. We're called great because we refuse to quit because we're always either up or getting up. Touch your neighbor and say, get up, get up, get up. Winston Churchill, I love history. Winston Churchill said, success is the ability to go from one failure to another without the loss of enthusiasm. Aristotle said, hope is a walking dream. How many of you want to go sleepwalking? Have a dream. To be sure, it can be quite difficult to describe something so intangible as hope because you can't hold it in your hand, you can't see it with your eyes. Therefore, let's begin to this discussion of hope by turning to the revealer of all mysteries, the ever-living, life-giving Word of God Almighty. Right there in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verse 13. We catch a more than passing glimpse of our subject, but it's in its loathsome antithesis. Not hope, but hopelessness. If you wanna know what hope is, God's word says, look at hopelessness 
and go as far the other way as you can. And you'll end up at hope. Right there, we have recorded for our edification the experience of two men. How many men were there? There were two men. Their hope had evaporated like dew on a hot July morning. Following the crucifixion of Jesus Christ on that angry, cruel, mean, biting beam called Calvary, they, they had, in fact, they had been his companions. They had been his disciples. He was not unknown to them. They were not casually acquainted like a Sunday morning Christian. They were intimately acquainted with Jesus. They saw those nails four inches long, driven deep into that wood, splintered wood. The flesh nailer hanging him there. Like Mary Magdalene who had watched him, Mary the mother of Jesus, both of them, watched him breathe, Mary his first breath. Now she watched him as he exhaled his last breath. They were there. They knew him. They followed him. They believed in him. Now, here's their testimony. Right there in your Bible. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about these things that had happened while they were communing and reasoning together. Always remember, reasoning is what you do when you don't have any faith. They reasoned together. Jesus himself drew near and walked with them, but their eyes were kept so that they could not recognize him. Verse 17, Jesus said to them, what kind of communication is this? And you are sharing with one another while you are walking, here it is, and why are you sad? Look at somebody next to you. Go ahead, they won't bite, and say, why are you sad? Why are you sad? Maybe not right now, because you got your church mask on. Why are you sad? Oh, we're going somewhere. One of them, named Cleopas, answered him, dude, are you some kind of stranger here? Do you not know what happened here in these days? And Jesus said, like he doesn't know. He's always asking questions. He's a great attorney. He's always asking questions, but only the ones he knows the answer to. What things? And they said, well, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet and powerful indeed and word before God and all the people. Verse 20. And how our chief priests and rulers handed him over, there's the blame game, to, the, to be sentenced to death and crucified, 21. But we were hoping, we were hoping that it was he who was to redeem us. Besides that, today, 
is the third day since all these things happened. Even some of the women who were among us arrived at the tomb early and were surprised when they did not find his body. They returned saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was some of, verse 24, that he was alive, verse 24. Then some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him just days earlier. Think about it now. Two and a half, basically, days earlier, because the crucifixion was counted, any part of a day is a day. So it was three days. It was actually Friday night till Sunday morning, right after Saturday midnight. These two men had lived for at least three years, baptized with a promise of a new beginning. The Lord Jesus rode triumphantly into Jerusalem to resounding hallelujahs and hosannas. But now, now they were discouraged. They were depressed. As the light of hope had been extinguished by the howling winds of his apparent abandonment. Why do we think God's always gone when he promised he'd never leave us? He'd never forsake us. They were physically and mentally, they were spiritually exhausted. Anybody ever been there? Yeah. All they wanted was to just go home and forget the entire sordid ordeal. They were confused and bewildered. They were disoriented. They watched in disbelief as their Messiah and King was savagely murdered by Roman executioners. His body, was at that very moment, according to them, laying in a cold, borrowed tomb. To add to their distress, their most recent report in their daily news feed on their cell phone had informed them that his tomb had been raided and his body stolen. With their own eyes, they'd witnessed him wipe the blindness out of Bartimaeus' eyes, and with nothing but his touch, wash the ashen white curse of leprosy away from those suffering without hope. They saw him make the twisted legs of the lame straight again. They were there when he demonstrated a mastery over demons and depravity and disease and at the tomb of Lazarus, even over death itself. But now, now, now it seemed that he was imprisoned by the very things that he had once commanded. The hope in their hearts, which had burned bright has been extinguished, eradicated by the daunting reality they now face. The Prince of Peace, the God of Glory, their Master Messiah had perished. 
They were left with nothing but his memory. Oh, how many believers tried to survive on a memory of Jesus. There was no gladness in their tone. This morning when I came into the building three or four hours ago, I ran into some folks and they said, how are you doing today? And I said, I'm thinking about joining the ballet. That's how I feel. I don't have a sad story. I don't have bad news. I'm alive with hope for tomorrow, help for a today, and a future that's secure. Look at somebody and say, get enthused a little bit. Silence is the language of defeat. Shouting is the language of victory. Yeah, that's right. I love wildfire a whole lot more than I love an iceberg. They acknowledged that Jesus lived bravely, that he fought valiantly, kumbaya. But they admitted that in the end he failed. Jesus failed. He did all the good he could, but now they just had to face the facts and move on. Ooh, don't you ever tell me that. Don't you ever come up to me and talk about defeat. 30 years ago in the Santon Sun Hotel in Johannesburg, South Africa, God supernaturally extracted the meaning of the word defeat from my being. I don't know what you're talking about. All we do is win. We win. I read the last chapter of the last book. We win. And I saw Satan. Here's what they were really saying. And it's what we say a lot too. He just, Jesus, you know, good man. He just really, you know, the whole cross thing. He just wasn't up to it. That's what we say. That's what we say when the doctor looks at us and says you have to die and cannot live. That's what I could have said when they showed me the pictures. The man who wrote New York Times best-selling Silent No More, now silent vocal cords frozen with cancer eight years ago. When I hung up that phone, I had a choice to make. I could believe he was, and he did, or he is, and he has. So don't mind me while I shout over vocal cords that were paralyzed. Because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he never changes, never has, 
never will. He is the eternally self-existent God, and he is equal to and up to whatever task this world throws your way. I wish I had half a church just shout for a minute. Shout, I feel enthused. Would you remember this? My mother and father indelibly imprinted this upon my spirit from the time I was a small boy. You remember this. You are not the only one that has ever drank from the cup of despair drawn from the dark well of hopelessness. You're not the first, you won't be the last. We've all experienced disappointment, rushes in like a flood. When the bright promise of spring turns into the dark winter of our souls. But you hear this preacher today and you mark my words, let hope arise. Well, I have great memories of my pastor, my mentor, the incomparable Dr. Lester Sumrall. He circumnavigated the globe for the kingdom of God more times than you can imagine. And many, many times I had the distinct honor and privilege of being right there by his side. He and I were together in St. Petersburg, Russia, in the vast linen sports arena constructed for the Olympic Games mere days after the fall of the USSR. Another year, it was down in the South Nicaragua with souls filling the soccer stadium. In both countries, our focus, as always, was souls, but we did not arrive in any nation around the world empty-handed. We always were directed by the Holy Spirit to bring nourishing food to sustain their lives. I can still hear his voice. Rod, there's a great end time harvest. But he said, I'm fearful that people will starve to death of hunger before Jesus comes. That was the beginning of what is now Breakthroughs Worldwide Missions Outreach Bridge of Hope. As we approach the halfway point of this decade, the call for help is even more distinct. It's louder than ever. And I have a quote in my hand today from a heartbroken young mother in Africa. It says, she recently lost her two-year-old daughter to famine. Her two-year-old starved to death in her arms. And her one-year-old is slipping into eternity even now. Catherine goes on to say, I don't know why my child had to die. It's all such a hopeless waste. And then she says, and I'm too weak from my own hunger 
to even cry tears. Oh, my dear friend, you and I, we've been so blessed and we cannot, we just can't allow our brothers and sisters in Africa and watch their babies perish from hunger. You know, the Lord said it would be better to die by the sword than of hunger pining away. Imagine that was your child. We must save them. We must hear the voice of the Lord and do it now. The need is so immense during this, you know, celebratory holiday season. One in five people in Africa right now is facing severe life-threatening hunger. By the end of this year, another 24 million will be in a severe hunger crisis. Now, listen, Bridge of Hope has ministry partners on the ground now, ready to deliver life-saving aid. Your life-saving gift today during this great holiday season of only $48, $48. Think of it as a gift at Christmas, $48. But listen, that gift today will be doubled and help us feed 16 children through our Bridge of Hope Matching Challenge Fund. If each one of us today will help me feed 16, imagine the impact. It's our goal to rush 150,000 emergency meals to save lives in Africa this holiday season. So please, call now. Don't allow the hustle of the holidays to distract you from those who need a gift most of all. A generous gift. I know many of you, in the holiday season, toward the end of the year, you reconsider your giving. I don't know a greater or more generous Christ-like gift than that of $96 right now to Bridge of Hope, which will help us feed 32 children. Your support of Bridge of Hope this year has helped us sustain so many tens of thousands of children, but so many more are in need today. Please, let the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of the season, cause you to hear from a voice beyond my own. The number's right there on your screen, or you can put your gift to work immediately by just clicking rodparsley.com. I wanna thank you. May your heart of Christ-like compassion open up the portals of heaven to you, to your family, to all those you love this happy holiday season. A deadly consolidation of conflict and climate has escalated an already dire situation in Ethiopia, Somalia, and South Sudan. The hunger crisis in the Horn of Africa is expected to expand to 25 million more children and families before the end of the year. 
That's why Bridge of Hope has established an emergency hunger crisis matching challenge. Help us rush 150,000 meals to save the lives of desperate families who find it nearly impossible to put food on the table. The Horn of Africa is suffering from its longest and most severe drought. Starvation rates are growing, and your immediate Bridge of Hope holiday gift will double in impact. $48 doubles to help feed 16 children for a month. $96 doubles to help feed 32 children. These little ones often suffer the most. Their emaciated bodies are too weak to fight off infection and disease. Help them by calling with your most generous holiday gift to these families left with nothing more than the tattered clothes on their backs. Put your gift to immediate use by clicking on rodparsley.com. This crisis is far from over. Help us double our relief efforts this holiday season. The joyous celebration began with a birth inside a lowly manger. The promise of heaven, God's forever gift to man. The reality of God's greatest gift can be yours free from Dr. Rod Parsley. You see, the experience we all search for at Christmas is simply not of this world. It's time to unwrap Dr. Parsley's free gift to you. Dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, abiding under the shadow of the Almighty, and saying of you, Lord, you are my refuge, you are my fortress. Call now and receive two instant Christmas classics. This cheerful free offer overflows with hope, faith, and love. We know you'll be blessed as you watch two incredible Christmas messages, God's greatest gift. There's no obligation. It's our holiday gift to you. Call or visit rodparsley.com. Well, as always, I hope your heart is warm to know that Joni and I are praying that your family is safe, blessed during this holiday season. What a gift of God. As you gather together with your loved ones, don't forget those half a world away that need just a little bit of help. Most families are going many, many days in Africa with no food at all. And you, you and I together, we can provide hope with a Bridge of Hope gift of only $48 or more. I pray you'll call. I pray you'll do your very best. There's a child in a mother's arms tonight crying because of the gnawing ache of hunger. You can also just click on rodparsley.com. Thank you for all those that have responded with a generous holiday gift to Bridge of Hope. Your generosity will mean that starving children in South Sudan, Ethiopia, and Somalia will live and not die. 65 million are now in the highest levels of an expanding hunger emergency. The scope of this crisis demands a broad and rapid response. Bridge of Hope has partners on the ground ready to rush food and emergency aid to those that so desperately need it. Your gift of only $48 will double in impact to help feed 16 children for a month. A gift of $1,000 will help feed 300 children. Every gift is appreciated and will demonstrate the love of God this holiday. 
call or click on rodparsley.com. Thank you. Your destiny centers on being a true world changer. It requires access to a specific anointing. Call the number on your screen or visit valorcollege.edu. Enroll today. Valor Christian College, where world changers are made. Breakthrough with Rod Parsley is made possible by Revival Covenant Partners. Your monthly support helps take this message of personal renewal and national revival to the world. To learn more, visit rodparsley.com.